Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 119 for Thursday, November 22nd, 2007. Third-party cookies. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds On Site. Looking to grow your IT service business? Find out how Nerds On Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. This is Security Now, ladies and gentlemen, the show where we answer your question. Help! But not this week. Not oh. this week. No, no. <laughs> you didn't know what the question was. Help! Help! I'm in I'm in security denial. I'm in security limbo. Steve Gibson is here from GRC.com, the security wizard. And uh, we have, we've been having fun talking about all sorts of uh, different topics. Are we going to talk about uh, uh, double-click and uh, PayPal yes. today? Is this That's- the day... Yes, yes, yes. And I have to say, Leo, this is probably the most requested topic. We, you know, we've never really had a most requested topic, but when I was scanning through all the email for last week's uh, Q&A number 28 for last week's show number 118, many people were saying, hey, you never followed through on that. You didn't, you know, whatever happened with that? You said you were going to talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, what happened was this, the perfect paper passwords exploded into something much bigger than I expected. And so we gave it a number of weeks and that pushed our coverage of this interesting PayPal double click relationship into the future to yeah. today. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I know that you, you stirred up a hornet's nest when you mentioned this. So we'll find out what it's all about. Do you have, before we get to that, do you have any, uh, Arenda or arenda, addenda or errata? I, I don't, but I, I, I got one really nice, uh, email, regarding Spinrite that I wanted to share with our listeners because it, it's from a guy who, as you'll hear in, in, in listening to this mail, has a, you know, a good grip on PCs and a, you know, and a, and a sense that he knows how to fix things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he wrote uh, on November 19th, I got his note forwarded to me through my tech support guy. His name is Frank Barker. And he says, I had a situation where a Windows XP PC would no longer boot. This PC contained more than 50 gigabytes of pictures, videos, and other very important data, which, of course, was not backed up. Not a good situation. I tried various commonly used techniques to correct the booting problem, but was unsuccessful. Normally, I would simply add the problem drive as the second drive in another good PC and copy the data from it. In this case... Windows on the second PC would not even recognize a valid partition on the problem drive. Each time I attempted to access it, Windows asked if I would like to format the drive. Obviously an unwelcome question. After nine plus hours of racking my brain, attempting various methods and a few utilities, I was able to recover only a few meg of data, basically nothing. Oh, boy. So he says, mentally exhausted and borderline desperate. 
I decided to spend the money and download Spinrite. Clearly, his last resort is how he was thinking <laughs> well, of it. And I hope he hadn't screwed up the drive with all the other recovery attempts. Yeah, it sounds like probably was just him trying to read from it. You right, know? Right. But, but you're right. It's, it's a little risky when you start doing other utility things. Um, so he says, I decided to spend the money and download Spinrite. Although I was skeptical of any success, I kicked off Spinrite at level two. Spinrite ran for nearly two hours and found a few defects on the hard drive, some recoverable, some not. Nothing Spinrite displayed particularly led me to believe I had gained much, if anything. Nonetheless, I again added the problem drive as a second drive in an existing system. I again attempted to open the drive through Windows Explorer, except this time I was shocked and amazed to see the folders and files in the root folder of the drive. Still skeptical, I drilled down into the folder structure to where the data was. To my surprise, the navigation continued step-by-step to work, and I was able to copy all of the data from the problem drive. I can't begin to describe my relief. After so many hours of struggling, loss of nearly all hope, and then full access to the drive and all the files it contained, I was stunned. Thanks for developing and providing a product that delivers on the claims. That's great. Wow. So, uh, really, I mean, no, this guy was about as hard to convince as anyone could ever be. He, you know, he tried everything else he could think of, and he said, oh, okay, fine. I give I'll up. Try, I'll, I'll try, I'll try spin right. I don't want to do it, but I will. I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to try it anyway. So it sounds like probably there was a, a flaky sector in his uh, uh, file allocation table, maybe, or his partition table. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it would have had to have been a serious problem because Windows was unable, looking at the drive, to Didn't even see think it was formatted. That, that there was even a vi- exactly, there yeah. was a, vile, a, vi- a valid file system. And, uh, you know, and so I say, hey, you know, here's an empty drive. Do you want to format right, it? And he's like, right. uh, no, that's not what I had in mind, actually. But, but, you know, all it takes is a bad sector in, uh, in the partition table. That the, that Windows can't read, and sure, it would have that reaction. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the NTFS file system is supposed to have redundancy really? and other ways huh. of of getting around things. What 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 bugs me? I mean, and I understand this because obviously he didn't believe that this utility <laughs> that that Spinrite was going to provide any value. So. He's also someone who certainly wasn't running Spinrite right. on this machine prior to it getting into this shape. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen through all these testimonials that I've shared with our listeners over the last couple of years is people are always waiting until it's almost too late. Well, and then Spinrite sure. brings them back from, you know, the precipice. Same thing with backup. People don't do any of this stuff until it's often too late. It so how exact. often would you run? Uh, I mean, I, I confess, Steve, I have spin right. I don't run it all the time. How often I, should I be running spin? Well, see, then again, that's human nature. The good news is there's enough plasticity in drives that that spin right is able normally to bring something back from from the precipice. And I think that's pretty, pretty much what we all rely on now is, oh, well, you know, if it's something that happens, spin right will fix me. It's like, oh, OK, well, let's hope so. I back up like uh, crazy, too. I mean, that's the main thing. I actually, you really do. And, and, and for, you know, from my own um, standpoint, I'm Mr. Raid. I mean, no, yep, me n- nothing anywhere is is critical that I don't have, you know, yeah. a, a, essentially, you know, redundancy thanks to RAID. So I have, I have RAID 5 backups. I don't have RAID 5 uh, online, but it's offline. The backups all go to RAID 5 drive. Right. 
But, you know, although our web actually I take it back because our web servers and when I have oh. two dedicated servers, those are both running uh, uh, RAID 5 with Raptors. Yep. For speed and yep. uh, and redundancy. And I back up. I still back up like crazy. All right. So we're going to get to this uh, this issue, this fascinating issue of why PayPal gets its files from DoubleClick. <laughs> Just a, and I can't wait to hear what you found out. But uh, before we do that, I think I probably should mention Astaro because they are a great sponsor for this show and they've been really supportive all along. Astaro is a security gateway. I heard a new phrase, unified threat. What do they call it? UTA, unified threat appliance. I heard an a, a acronym for these things. Huh. Cool. I had never heard before, but I, you know, who needs an acronym? I know what a Staro is. It is, it is basically the size of a router and it is a unified threat device. I mean, it, it does everything. It's a complete set of security technologies, open source and commercial covers all areas of security. You get email security, like anti-spam, anti-phishing, uh, dual antivirus protection updated automatically all the time. That's for email alone. Uh, they, it also now does uh, transparent encryption with, uh, PGP, Open PGP, and SMIME, which is kind of neat. I love that idea. You also, for instance, I, I'm having trouble now with Leopard. I can't get my uh, my PGP plugin to work. It doesn't support the new Leopard mail. No problem. Just have the Astaro do it. It does it for all the computers in the house automatically. Um, also, you get, of course, uh, uh, web filtering, content filtering, antivirus for the web. So that's three flavors of antivirus, anti-spyware. You can control things like peer-to-peer usage, instant messaging usage, very important in an office, um, network protection like firewalling, remote access, VPN, of course, full intrusion protection. All of that in a simple, easy-to-use box is really kind of amazing. In your business, you might want to try Astaro. They have free demo units for businesses. Call 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O, 877-4-ASTARO. Uh, if you are a non-commercial user, visit astaro.com slash security now. You can download it for free and use it for free. They, the new uh, the new the new license allows you to use Astaro up to date for free for ten IPs or ten users and one thousand concurrent connections, which I think would do for most people, even a small business. But they want it to be non commercial. That's astaro dot com slash security now and to try it out in your business. By the way, these scale beautifully, so as a business gets bigger, you can add up to ten chain them together without any additional load balancing software, and it just does it. It's amazing. Eight seven seven. Four two seven eight two seven six. That's eight seven seven. The number four Astaro for the Astaro Security Gateway. We do thank them so much for their support of security. Now, you know, I was just thinking what I do for backup on the um, on the web. I have a, a program that backs up my MySQL databases and emails them to Gmail every day. Oh, very nice! Is it just takes advantage of, G- of of Gmail's humongous free yeah, storage, which is now up to five gigs. <laughs> <laughs> so Gmail's growing faster than I can fill it up. But what I'll do is I'll delete them over time. But I have daily database backups. So I'm, I, that really feels good. The database is the thing I can't recover, you know. Right. I, I can recover everything. The templates don't change much. And obviously Drupal or uh, WordPress don't change much. But the databases change. And that's the thing I'm backing up. And I, I feel pretty right. good about that. All right. So this all started... Was it an email that you got, or how did you find out about this? Um, well, okay, it was really interesting. This was one of our questions from a while ago, you know, at least a month or two ago. Um, one of our listeners was using PayPal, and I think he was going to the virtual debit card is the link he was using. And and 
he couldn't get there. You know, the PayPal website to him seemed to be broken because he was clicking on the link and nothing happened. And through some analysis of, of his own, um, he determined that his host's file, which he had in his machine, set up to to block access to a number of sites he did not want his machine to visit under any circumstances. The host's file had an entry for doubleclick.net, and that entry was preventing PayPal, the PayPal website, from functioning. And so um, he, he wrote to, to us and said, hey, you know, what's this about? And, you know, it immediately raised a red flag for me. I don't think I had noticed before um, looking, you know, carefully at the URLs as I hovered my mouse around the various links on PayPal, what the URLs were aimed at. But but what was immediately apparent is that there is a a relationship between PayPal and DoubleClick that that goes beyond the typical advertising model relationship. And, and so we got to, we have to, we're going to pull back and look at the way this normal advertising relationship works, uh, sort of do a little quick refresher in the way browser URLs and headers work relative to cookies and tracking and so forth. And, and then, and then expressly look at, at what, it means that PayPal's links do not go to PayPal. They many of them actually go to DoubleClick, and 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 so I mean it's it 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 demonstrates while we we're not able to say definitively this is the data that is being shared. We're by taking a look at what's going on. There's there's a lot that can be inferred, and there is only really one good reason that this is being done. So. So stepping back from this bit, the, the way, you know, all, all Internet users are certainly familiar with this wacky, you know, HTTP colon slash slash www dot, you know, domain name dot com. And, and the way that operates, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we've talked about in prior episodes of Security Now. I'm going to sort of pull specific aspects of those that are relevant to this particular issue and and sort of refresh our listeners awareness of of what's happening first of all when you when you send a a URL to your browser you give your browser a URL it looks up the IP address of that of the domain in the domain portion of the URL and establishes a connection to the remote server at that location. So www.paypal.com, for example, that that is translated by DNS into an IP, and probably in the case of PayPal, like large websites, they'll actually have a large pool of IPs, which the DNS server rotates among so that the load is automa- is automatically spread among all of the machines that are being that, that are set up to receive incoming traffic so so www.paypal.com probably you you every time you look it up you may get a different ip that's often the case or it might be a single ip and then there's some sort of a load balancing system 
on 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 PayPal's end that is then distributing incoming queries all to a single IP to again a, a large you know a farm of of individual machines. But so one way or another, your browser gets a connection to a a, a machine at, for example, in, in this case, PayPal. Now, several things happen if you had visited PayPal before. That is, if your browser had visited PayPal itself and received a page in the past from PayPal, there are headers that are not part of the page. That is, it's sort of like it's preamble information that has sort of metadata about the page. Things typically like how how long this page should be considered valid before it should be considered expired by the browser. That allows your browser to to keep the page. For example, if you went to a different page and then you hit your back button, the browser would see that it it has that page recently received. And if it's recent enough, if it's allowed to be um, presented to you as non-expired, then the browser is able to save time by simply presenting that page from its local cache rather than having to go and fetch it and all of its contents again. So, so there are some nice optimization capabilities built into this into the whole web system. So, there, so there's a bunch of these this metadata. You know, for example, there there's a tag that indicates what what flavor and version of HTML you're using. In case there, there is evolution in HTML, it would, t- it would help the browser to interpret the rest of the data. So this is stuff that you don't see, but it's, it's at the beginning of the response for any sort of a web asset, whether it's a page, an image, um, uh, and other types of media and so forth. There's always these browser headers. Well, one of the headers in there was designed originally by the Netscape folks to 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 allow a stateful relationship with the server, meaning that that because each page query comes in with a connection to a server and sort of stands alone, it's difficult to associate a person on a website who's moving from page to page with themselves. That is that oh look this person. Is, is somebody who asked for that page, now they've asked for this page. Because, you know, there's a world of people all clicking on links, and they all look like they're separate. There's really no way to, to, to maintain a relationship with someone as they move around a website. So Netscape invented this notion of a cookie. Um, the idea being that it's just some sort of a blob. A, a, it's considered an opaque token, meaning that it doesn't necessarily have any real meaning except to the server that issues it. So, so one of the th- items in this metadata that comes in never seen by users on their w- when you're normally looking at a web page, one of them is this thing called a cookie, where it where the server offers it back to the browser, and the browser in normal configuration will will save that cookie as essentially sort of as a local id for itself and then any subsequent queries that are made by the browser to the same domain that is 
even if it goes to a different IP or to a different machine, the browser only concerns itself with, for example, in this case, www.paypal.com. And then so the cookie is stored locally in the user's machine in their browser memory tagged with www.paypal.com so that if again a any query is made to that domain name www.paypal.com the browser is always looking through this this library of cookies to see whether it's got one that it had previously received from a prior query to PayPal, if it if it has one. If so, and if it's not otherwise configured not to do so, that is in, in all browsers' default configuration, they offer that cookie back. In other words, we see that we're asking for http colon slash slash www.paypal.com, but, but queries, that is queries out to servers, also have metadata as part of the what's called the query header. And there are things in there, for example, um, in the old days, browsers used to say, oh, my screen is, is uh, you know, 1024 by 768. The idea was that, oh, that might help the server to, rend- to give you back a page that would fit your screen better. So there are things that your browser is also sharing that we don't see going out. It's, it's again, it's, it's part of query metadata on the way out. Um, we see the URL, there's actually more stuff that is being sent by the browser. And one of those things is this cookie. If it matches the domain name, and if the browser is in its default configuration, it'll say, oh, look, once upon a time, you gave me, you server, paypal.com, gave me this token, and I don't know what it is or what it means, and I don't, I don't have to, but the deal is I'll give it back to you. And so... What this allows is it essentially this is one of the core enablers for a much richer experience on the World Wide Web. We're able to, you know, to, quote, log on to a remote service, whether it's PayPal or Yahoo or MSN or Gmail or whatever. And and we we once we authenticate ourselves, we receive a credential in the form of, of a cookie, typically, and the browser keeps offering it back every time it asks for other things from that same site. And that allows our login to be stateful. That is, it allows us to move from page to page and be remembered as we're sitting at this computer. We logged in, you know, X number of minutes ago. And so as long as I'm active here, keep me logged in. If, if, 30 minutes transpires and nothing has happened, then the, then the remote server is able to say, okay, we're going to expire his login. And so if you then come back to your computer and try to use the site again, even if you left it up on your browser, many people have had the experience of being saying, sorry, your login has expired. Please reauthenticate. So so all these mechanisms are enabled by 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 this notion of some sort of state being saved. So this was all sort of cool and good. Then, unfortunately, some clever people back in the, the I was going to say the dim past of the Internet, but, you know, it's, it's only been a decade. Um, someone figured out that there was another way cookies could be used, which was never intended by the Netscape folks, but 
neither was it explicitly prevented. And so browsers did this. The idea was that as advertising began to surface, sites would not be presenting their own ads. They would be they would go to a third party service and that third party service would populate the page with ads. So, for example, um, uh, GRC is a bad example since I don't have any. But, you know, many sites get some revenue because they're willing to to host advertisements on their pages. Well, we've got we've got a banner ad on Twit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so and presumably and that usually it, doesn't come from in this case does not come from our server. It comes from Podtrax uh, advertising server. OK, exactly. So 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 in, in for example, in in that case, your when when someone brings up the twit.tv page, um, the HTML for the page comes to their browser and part of the HTML contains a URL to pod tracks, meaning it says in this area of the page, go to the pod tracks advertising server to get the image to put here. It's actually and it's interesting. And in our case, it's a little bit of JavaScript. And there's a good reason for that, because you the uh, number of impressions are counted and that's how we get paid. Well, I mean, and, and that was the cleverness about this model is that is that the the advertisers and of course doubleclick.net doubleclick corporation was an an early one uh, in this game they the 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 idea was that a popular site would have many people looking at its pages and so every time one of those pages was displayed the user's browser would go get content for the ad not from the site they were visiting that is you know not from paypal not from twit but from a from a different location that was referenced by the page that was being displayed and the beauty is the idea being that that the more popular the site the more the more page impressions people were seeing the more ads would get pulled from this third party server and and third party is the key because what we've been talking about here so far with a user and their browser is a it's considered a first party relationship, meaning this is the site I'm go- I've gone to. I'm going to PayPal.com. That's where I am. But PayPal, the, the page that comes up has a reference to a third party that is not the one, you know, it's not PayPal. It's some other server. And so my browser, the local, the, the user's local browser goes and fetches the content under direction from the first party page it goes and fetches the content from this third party well the hook here is that that fetch and that that query and response is also cookie enabled by default meaning not only can paypal track us as we move around paypal's site but double click someone with whom we have no relationship we have not gone to double clicks server we may not particularly have any interest in anything double click is you know it, it has to offer us but our browser has now a double click cookie which it is carrying if double if our first contact with double click did not offer a cookie double click server sends one back which again 
every browser currently set up defaults to allowing this behavior. It will carry double clicks cookie. So whereas PayPal uses the first party cookie to to track us as we move around PayPal site, if many different sites on the internet all have contracts with DoubleClick, then their pages are all referencing DoubleClick. And because of the so-called third-party cookies, that is, cookies that are offered by not a site we're visiting, but by a site whose content is coming to the pages of the sites we're visiting, those third parties are able to track us across the entire Internet. And so, so it's not just a single website because, because a company like DoubleClick may have and does have contracts with a huge number of companies and websites worldwide across the entire net. Our browser will continue this association with a company like DoubleClick.net through its cookie and and um, through all the ads that we receive from these sites. Now we need now, to. Take I have to say, I mean, that this is how it works, and this isn't. This is normal. Uh, ours. Actually, I was saying, uh, Pontract, they go through Advert Pro, which is a profession, you know, a business that does this. It's just like DoubleClick, I guess. Sure. Um, and that's that's the way it has to happen, right? Well, okay. So um, a little more about what goes on. Um, there's an, an, another one of these metadata items, which is called um, it, it is called the referrer field remember I, we talked about like there, there there's an expires field or an expires header that, that tells the uh, web browser uh, how how long it's able to keep the page what the conditions of of caching the page locally are um, and there are, of course are, 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 are the cookie fields one of the things that goes out with a query that is from the browser to a remote server is when a when a page comes in it contains as we were saying pointers urls to other assets images pictures media you know other chunks of text various things which it then makes secondary requests in order to to get all of the images to make the page complete those requests are made to the urls specified by that page but Part of that request contains a referrer field, meaning it, it, it contains the URL of the page which contains the pointer to this asset, meaning that, that it, it sort of knits all this together so that somebody receiving the queries that, are, that result from the display of a page uh, also obtain as part of that query the URL of the page that made that request. And, and that's where this tracking comes in because that means that, for example, from the vantage point of DoubleClick, they, they are receiving queries for ads from all over the net. They are also receiving cookies with those queries in their default condition, their, their default configuration. And they are receiving referrer data, meaning they also know 
where all of these users are going. Now, so far, this is a completely anonymous relationship. That is to say that, that there has at this point been no explicit identification leakage. So DoubleClick knows that a, an, an, an anonymous person, an anonymous browser, received a cookie on a certain date for the first time, and no doubt DoubleClick's got mega databases. As we know, hard disk drives are not expensive anymore. So, so DoubleClick knows that an anonymous machine received its first DoubleClick cookie on a, at, at a certain date. It then d- DoubleClick then knows everywhere that machine has gone subsequently on the Internet for sites which host DoubleClick ads. Because every time that machine brings up a page that contains a DoubleClick ad, again, with all things in their default settings, that page makes a query from DoubleClick returning the same cookie that it received, and DoubleClick is able to evolve these cookies over time and track their changes. So it's, it is basically this third party has locked on to this anonymous browser and is able to compile and does compile. We know that this is what, pe- that what these companies are doing because they brag about it. They, they say that they're able to profile users anonymously and and build up some idea of who they are ostensibly for the purpose of presenting them with more relevant ads and it i mean when i first heard it, it's like okay well i'm not sure i like the idea of anything tracking me but if the ads are more about things that would interest me well they would be they would be less annoying presumably on pages and you know i mean and i've seen this concept work you know tivo for example has the has this notion of you know automatically recording shows that are similar to the things you've you've explicitly said or you've given thumbs up to in the past um i often uh, stumble on something when i'm at amazon because amazon has this notion of of like oh look People who purchased the book you just purchased also purchased these books. Maybe this, you know, would be of interest to you too. So, you know, there are ways of of networking and aggregating and and making this sort of relationship work. Yeah, but there's a big difference there. You have a relationship with Amazon and TiVo, and they're it, the ones doing that. Exactly. Well, and the other thing is, there is there are ways that we know information that is a non anonymous information can leak into a third party the 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 classic way is when when we used to fill out forms and the, this has largely been deprecated now so that this is not happening to the degree it used to but it used to be when you would fill out a form you know you put your name address you know back in the good old days before <laughs> everything became you know really problematic on the internet you would you you name an address your telephone number you know your email address whatever and you would press submit because you were submitting it to a site you were visiting well many people certainly the veterans among us will remember that information used to be in the url it would be you would see you know http colon slash slash you know www.paypal.com or whatever site.com 
and then you know a page or two and then a question mark the question mark was this delimiter that said okay stop the url now everything after the question mark are parameters that is this was the means for for data going in the other direction remember that when http was originally designed and the web was conceived we were going to be clients, they were going to be servers, and it was a one-way relationship. We'd click on links, and we'd see these static pages. There was no notion of us sending information back to servers. That came later. Of course, it's critical for everything we do now on the World Wide Web. But the notion was this whole web was going to be read-only. We would just be getting these pages and, and happily browsing around this huge Internet. So... The question, you know, the, the 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 dilemma was: How do we get something back? How do we send something back to a server? Well, the, the what we were always sending to the server was the URL of the next page we want to bring up. So the 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 smart HTTP folks said, "Hey, we can add data at the end of the URL." We'll put a question mark there to say, okay, this is the end of the actual page specification. Anything afterwards is parameters. It's data. And so it was a clever way of, of sending data back to a server. The huge problem was that that URL is the referrer, meaning that if I submitted a form at a site, where the page that came up next, that is, I, I, I submit, I fill in the form, I push submit, the page that comes up next has an ad for, from, from for example, doubleclick.net. Well, the, my web browser, with the best of intentions, knows it needs to go get the, the contents of this image from something called doubleclick.net. So... Oh, and oh, what do you know? It's already got a cookie for doubleclick.net. So it sends the cookie, and as part of the HTTP specification, it fills in the referrer field with the URL of the page. The problem is the URL of the page contains the data that I submitted in the form. My name, my address, my phone number, my email address, whatever it is I submitted, was tacked onto the end of the URL, and that's part of the referrer field. And it was well known years ago that these third-party aggregators were, were anxious to know as much about us as they could. And there are, there are confirmed instances where people would go to web pages fill out um i mean like passively sorry passively look at web pages fill out no information at all and then receive a telephone call from a telemarketing firm that knew who they were had their phone number and knew what page they were browsing this happened to so a friend of yours it it actually did it happened to a canadian reporter who was freaked out by by this he went to the new york philharmonic website just to see what the calendar what, what the schedule of up of upcoming concerts was because he was going to be coming down from toronto to new york to uh, for for a trip and he he browsed around saw what, what was going on uh 
turned off the computer, went out into the backyard, was doing some gardening. The phone rang, and this was a this was the 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 Philharmonic marketing company that said, "Hey, we realize we we." Uh, understand that you're interested in the symphony. Uh, we wanted to make sure you knew of a special offer. Well, he was stunned that that pushing no buttons, filling out no forms, somebody knew something about him that was, you know, clearly he felt a breach of his privacy. So, okay, so you know that's the the whole scenario of how tracking works among websites, how data can leak back now. Now, that, that was such a problem that a different way of sending data was created, um, and that is there is a way of sending data that is not in the URL using what's called a post as, as opposed to um, a, a get request. So it's a different way of sending the data that does not pollute the URL with the contents being sent back, and that does blind third parties from being able to access data um, th through the, this URL leakage. Of course, the other thing that's happened is that, that savvy people who are made uncomfortable by this whole notion of third-party cookies have, have started disabling third-party cookie tracking. Um, all web browsers, um, I, I know that Safari does, I know that IE does, Firefox, Firefox doesn't. It's weird. You have to go through some real hoops in order to disable third-party cookies in the most recent version of Firefox. Yeah. So the 1.5 had had it in the UI. The rationale so was, the Firefox folks gave which is was that it never worked. And so they didn't want to expose it in the uh, preferences because it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't, well, it doesn't do anything. I now I don't know if it doesn't work because Firefox can't do it or because I think my impression was they didn't. They believe that it's impossible to block third-party cookies through the browser for some that's reason. That's not true. What they were saying was it's an imperfect solution. That, that I don't. Ah. I don't understand why they did this. It's the, the the dumbest thing I can imagine. I mean, the, essentially, they had to have been saying it is it is impossible to prevent all kinds of third-party leakage. Therefore, we're not going to do any which yeah. is completely contrary to everything we know about security. We know, all of us know, who've been listening to this podcast, the security is not black and white, that you, you use multiple layers, you do as many of the best things as you are able to, right. recognizing that none of them is perfect, but you know, raising your defenses as high as you can is a good thing to do. So, yeah, I mean, so there, there is a way to block third-party cookies. So we ought to – basically, the idea is that all browsers that are currently configured will offer back a cookie to a site other than the one you are logged on to. That is, that your browser's query has gone to. So, for example, in, in, in this picture I've been painting with PayPal, um, by default, if PayPal were to display a double-click image – then my browser would give back a double click cookie to double click if it if it had one which it had picked up from any prior contact with doubleclick.net in the past it is possible to go in and disable that explicitly you're you're able to say in IE and in Safari and in Opera and there is a way um, on under the new Firefox although you have to edit some some funky data there you is use a the way uh, about colon config 
setting in the Firefox. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so, so what that does is that tells your browser that, you know, you're somebody who's privacy conscious. You do not approve of the idea that a site you're not visiting could have a cookie transaction with your browser. Right. Okay. So. So, so I, I still am a little angry at Firefox. If they say it doesn't work or it's an imperfect solution, but they still don't offer it. That's odd. I completely agree. And I think there are probably other means of circumventing this. For example, you could probably use scripting in order to to maintain Maybe some sort of stateful it. relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, the problem is we've got a very powerful and ever more powerful protocol with our with with the whole web browser experience. And the notion is if somebody wants to do this, they're going to find a way. Well, that brings us to the whole point of this podcast, which is that PayPal has found a way to, to explicitly force a cookie relationship (laughs) between us and double click. And there is, Except for breaking PayPal or being very diligent about cookie management, uh, it is incredibly difficult to block. But I don't want a cookie relationship with (laughs) double click. With double click. I think, well, (laughs) and see, so, so, well, so here's the real concern. First of all, um, if you, if you, and I did this this morning, just, I I started off clear with my browser, uh, fired it up. I logged on to PayPal. And the 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 uh, that is, I went to www.paypal.com. I hadn't even um, at that point identified myself, and I got this big this happy screen that said "Ready, Set, Shop PayPal Plus." And this was offering me the PayPal Plus credit card. Yeah, which I always there, say, say no to. Well, there was a big happy orange button there that said "Apply Now." I hover the mouse over that and look down at the status line of the browser using Firefox and I see HTTPS colon slash slash add dot double click dot net slash CLK colon and then a a big number one one eight five three one two six five then another and then, then another semicolon sorry the first one was a semicolon second semicolon and then one one four six six zero six two another semicolon and then a, bu- a bunch of other mumbo jumbo, then a question mark, followed by HTTPS colon slash slash www.paypal.com slash US slash CGI bin blah, blah, blah. Essentially, the, the button that you press saying, I want to apply for a PayPal Plus credit card is actually a double-click URL. The URL you want is the you actually want to get to. That is the PayPal URL. Mm. If you wanted to apply for this card, that's been added to the end, just like we were saying before, as data to that doubleclick.net URL. The problem with this is that that this then creates a first-party relationship. Between your browser and DoubleClick. Oh, you've gone to the DoubleClick site. Yes, you have. You are explicitly saying, "I want to go to DoubleClick." So you whereas, don't know you're saying that. That's the problem we have with this. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to be a sophisticated user. You have to hover your mouse. You have to look down at the status line. You have to know what all that mumbo-jumbo gobbledygook means. And so essentially, so you, you are clicking a double-click you are clicking a double-click URL so that if you have, you're a person who has expressed their desire not to be tracked, not to have third-party relationships, um, you, you've disabled that in your browser. This specifically circumvents that. Now, the other worrying thing is these numbers which have been tacked on here. I watched them. And it's very clear to me they identify me. Oh, boy. That is, this is... It's, it's, a, it's always the same when you do it? Yes. Oh. So what this oh, is saying is... awful. That, 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 that is, I've brought up a custom page at PayPal. PayPal has on the fly designed these links so that there is information about me that is in the URL going to double-click. PayPal knows who you are, obviously. I think they know a lot about you. Yes, they've got my bank account number. They've got my credit card number. They've got, you know, I've got, you know, little uh, secure ID tokens. I mean, you know, the uh, VIP um, uh, PIP tokens. I mean, I've got an extensive relationship with PayPal, which, which is apparently now being shared deliberately with double-click. And, and so th- th- there, there's one thing to note here. First of all, you could, you could argue, you could forgive a website that, that wanted to get revenue from having a doubleclick.net ad on their page. You could, you could forgive them the fact that DoubleClick is using third-party cookies to track people who go to their site. It's sort of like, okay, well, cookies weren't meant to allow that, but they do, but all browsers, one way or another, have a way of turning that off for security and, and privacy-minded people who don't want that kind of relationship. This circumvents that. This creates a first-party query to double-click with the actual URL you want to go to on the end. So what double-click does is after they capture your identity and the, and the cookie – which your server will be sending back, which is cannot be blocked through any third-party mechanism, um, then they send you to the PayPal page. Oh, so you so, go back to the PayPal page. Yes, because remember, the end of the... You're still getting the, it from PayPal. Well, you, you go to DoubleClick, and after that said, question mark... Hi, I know you, I have a relationship with you, and now let's go back to PayPal. Yes, and, we'll here, right and now we're now we're going to return you to the your regularly regularly scheduled oh, page. And so the the URL tail is the PayPal URL that that button should have pointed to, but you now, were taken through double click in the process, and it looks to me like this is a a static PayPal account ID given to double click, right. identifying me. Now there's as you know it doesn't have my name, however. We don't know what sort of a relationship. We don't know how deep this relationship goes. It could very well be that, that DoubleClick has back-end access to PayPal's database or vice versa, and there's some sort of uh, information sharing going on. Well, now, wh- now here's the question is when do you get this? I mean, I guess if you're clicking on what is clearly an ad for a PayPal 
MasterCard. Maybe that makes sense. Ah, I'm glad you asked the question because I then logged in to my PayPal account and most of the most of the links on the left hand side of the page were similarly embellished. Um, Even non-paid links. Yes. For example, um, at the top was enhance your account. And so here again, I was being offered the PayPal plus credit card. Then, then there was an ad with, and, and this was, I got a kick out of this. This, this was unfortunately was for the PayPal security key. So that also runs through doubleclick.net, but worse, the very last link in the column was PayPal's policy updates dated August 30th, 2007. The link I click on for PayPal's policy updates. Ad.doubleclick.net. Yes. I'm looking at it right now. So absolutely non-advertising related. I mean, even privacy policy issues, you bend over and you are routed through DoubleClick in order to get to the page you actually want to with some sort of account ID information of, of, again, this is opaque. We don't know what it means, but, but, but here's my point. There is only one reason to do this. This, I mean, there's no reason that these links should be taking me out of PayPal to a, to a, a known advertising aggregating service with opaque data added to it and then making it all transparent so that all I see is my browser landing back at, at the PayPal page that I was clicking. Now, you, just, you could easily get no around reason. this by by hand copying and pasting the URL and then just taking the end of it. And I'm sure somebody could write, and probably will now that you've brought this up, write a Grease Monkey script or some other uh, extension for Firefox that would strip off these these double-click links and go right to the redirect. Yeah. I, I can understand if it's an ad, but to, when you... I'm Look, that's a legitimate thing. I want to read the policy updates. This is This has nothing to do with an ad. It's routing me through double-click for no reason. I don't want to be tracked while I look at PayPal's policy updates. Yeah. And, and let, and let, unless it says, oh, and by the way, we reserve the right to share your account information with anyone we choose. Well, it must say that somewhere. It or probably with, does. With in trusted, the fine trusted third parties. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Approved and screened. Yeah. We trust them. <laughs> third parties. Now, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at all the links on here, and, and it is true that almost all the other links are just PayPal direct links. Correct. Uh, they do it's, it's, within the site. It's the ad links. It, but this, the one that's troubling is this policy updates. Everything else, I mean, yeah, if you want to get recommended steps for merchants, that's an ad. Exchange well, ideas. okay, how about, I, I love this one too, free alerts help protect you from ID theft. Well, yeah, that shouldn't be an ad. Oh, but it is an ad. You, and that takes you through DoubleClick. Right. Yeah, protect yourself from ID theft by going to DoubleClick. Well, now we haven't contacted PayPal to get a response from them. I mean, it, it, we don't need a response. It's obvious. Well, and I'll, and I'll tell you, Leo, I mean, I'm, I am after, after everything is said and done and I've just, you know, here been ranting for, for three quarters of an hour about the technology that's used. I use PayPal. Right. I mean, this is, a, this, I don't know of any company that is more ripe for competition than, than PayPal. I mean, I love the idea that that I am aggregating my web purchases through them. Right. PayPal is number one in this segment. Of course, you know, Google. Well, here's the irony of this. I mean, Google has a, has a merchant's card, merchant service, PayPal town service. But Google and... owns DoubleClick. <laughs> so Google doesn't need to route it through DoubleClick. 
Yep. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this could be happening with everything you do. And in fact, it, it is in effect because I don't know what Google shares with their subsidiary DoubleClick, but presumably they share everything with them. They, whatever they want to, certainly. Right. So you could argue that the fact that this is at least it's transparent at least on the PayPal it. site, that as you said, it would be possible to write some sort of a, uh, of a, of a page scraping system that would remove these double click references and replace them with the 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 yeah, actual easy to do actually yeah you just strip off everything up to the ex- the question mark yeah the, the only thing i mean okay so so i wanted to i want to just get on the record that i use paypal i'm happy that i've got i mean i'm not well, we you use know, paypal we actually are actively encouraging people to use paypal to donate to the podcast it drives me this drives me crazy it, i'm I mean, sending it is, people to a clearly an unsafe situation well, unsavory, unsavory, at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, and so, you know, I mean, we need more competition in this space. We we need there's a clearly a need. You know, I mean, we've talked about PayPal before. And oh, I mean, I'm happy that we've got this the, the really cool VeriSign dongle. I use it. I love it. I now have associated it with also with my credit card form factor that is in my wallet. So I'm no longer in a situation that I used to be of my little football being at home, but I'm at Starbucks with my laptop and I want to buy something. Now I can do that. I mean, and I love the idea that while I'm unfortunately, I need to trust PayPal. Hard as it is, I would rather they kept all my credit card information when I'm going to, you know, random small one-off websites. I'm never going to go to again. I do not want to create an account. I do not want to share my credit card information with them. And so, you know, I swallow and I use PayPal because it's it's uh. better than doing that. But you know, again, this all feels like. You know, early stages of the development of the future of e-commerce. And at the moment, PayPal is, you know, the organization that we are pretty much forced to deal with because that's the option we get when we go to a site is, oh, would you like to buy with PayPal? Yes. Much more than giving you my credit card information. Horrible as PayPal is in these I mean, and as much as this raises a concern, the problem is, I mean, why do these links go through DoubleClick? Why is what there possible reason opaque? could there be? Yes, exactly. Except to know what we're doing and what we buy. And because once we've established now, here's the question. Once we've established a relationship like this with PayPal, I mean, with a double click, they're not they can they can't track us within PayPal as we buy things, for instance. Well, we don't know, as I said, we don't know the nature of their behind the scenes database connection. If they're, they mean, who knows what sort of money they're they're raising from each other by by what kind of information they've decided they're going to share. I mean, it could be anything. PayPal has a complete chronology of everything I have purchased because, again, this is the danger of a third-party aggregator, and PayPal is one. You know, it's like, oh, click the history button. Here's all your account activity, so they know what I'm, how much I'm paying for what and where i'm buying my stuff from paypal knows that so here, here we got just, this so just just to look at paypal's privacy statement they essentially say at the beginning of the privacy statement that they collect everything of course they do including credit card information home addresses and stuff so they know everything we may share your personal information with members of our corporate family <laughs> which, which include ebay shopping.com and skype okay service providers under contract who help us with parts of our business operation, 
Gee, I would say that having a URL on the on the first page of PayPal, I guess that qualifies as being helped. They do say our contracts dictate that these service providers only use your information in connection with the services they perform for us and not for their own benefit. That's good. Uh, financial institutions we partner with to jointly create and offer a product like the PayPal. Ah, here we go. Now, now they're talking about double click, such as the PayPal Plus credit card. Oh, no, that says where we share information with GE Money Bank. That's for the approval. Uh, Credit bureaus, companies we plan to merge with or be acquired by. (laughs) Law enforcement and other third parties. Look at all the data we have that that you'll be able to get when you buy us. They certainly have a lot of information. Now, you can, it says you can restrict PayPal from sharing your personal information. Some types. So, I don't know. I'm going to go look and see what, what kinds of things. It doesn't sound like. I have much control over this. Well, I want to I want to absolutely extend an invitation to anyone from PayPal to explain this. Um, I mean, we understand the technology. There are this really looks bad, and I know that our listeners are passionately interested in this issue because they've been bugging me to to spend the time to talk about it, and now we have. Um, well, it I've also had- shakes the foundations of our whole trust system because trustee li- is there a trustee licensee, and trustee validates their privacy statement, um, which means to me, well, if trustees validating this, and somehow within this legalese, they're saying we can do this. Well, but Leo, you're not safe what, anywhere. What, what you just read does give them the permission to to share whatever they want to with DoubleClick. Yeah, well, it's worded though in such a way that DoubleClick can only use it uh, in ways that PayPal says they can use it. Well, no, in in ways that are are in line with the the relationship the services they perform for us and not for their own benefit. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we don't know what those are. Right. Anyway, I I, I want to say to anyone at PayPal. Um, we want to keep this balanced. If there's a if there's a way to explain why this is being done, why your why PayPal links take me through double click server with this account number looking information, and only then do we go back to PayPal. You know what possible purpose does this have other than than violating our privacy? Right. Well. We, we'd like I to hear I think that's it. pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, you know. Maybe there just, is a pot. There could be. Who knows? You know, the, the technology is very clear. Right. Um, I just don't know how this can be defended. Uh, just it's uh, it's really sad to see. And again, as I said, I can't imagine a company more in desperate need of competition than PayPal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, you've raised such an interesting issue. And uh uh, it scare it it scares and frankly depresses me because we are so reliant on them uh, for what we do. I mean that's yeah. I don't know you know I guess I could start using another merchant account system, but everybody uses PayPal. Well, and and as I said, the obscure sites I go to that I don't want to trust with my credit card information. Um, you trust PayPal? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and uh, I, I have tried, as I mentioned once before, this virtual debit card looks like a fantastic system where you, you download a little applet on your machine. And in fact, oh, there's another problem. The download link for that applet is a double click. Yeah, see, link. that baffles me, too. <laughs> what, you know, what possible rationale could they have for that? I know. But 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 my point was that due to some something squirrely in uh, in my own personal 
credit reports that are held by the three main credit clearinghouses, there's something that prevented me from getting automated approval. This whole thing is supposed to take 20 seconds and you automate it. I mean, because I would love to be using this virtual debit card. This issues you a temporary one-use credit card number on the fly to use in these sites that don't support PayPal that, that where you don't want to give me a real credit card. I would love, I've tried three times to get this, but something squirrely in my own credit report prevents the automated system from functioning. And I have been on hold for hours. <laughs> I have tried over and over and over. I can't, I've never been able to talk to a human being to get this thing resolved. So it's like, okay, I just, for whatever reason, I can't have one of those much as I would like to. So, I mean, PayPal is difficult to actually talk to. They're, they're an automated facade and people who breathe just, just, you know, they don't seem to have much interest in talking to us. Well, that's pretty much the state of the uh, union anyway, isn't it? After all, that's where everything's headed, but we're going to fight against it. We're going to fight for your privacy and fight for companies that will actually talk to you and people can vote with their feet. Um, Although, you know, our server company takes its payment directly through PayPal. Many of our providers, our web designers take their payment through PayPal. I don't I can't I couldn't get out of PayPal if I wanted to at this it's point. A, exactly. I mean they're in a position where they have this much power and yeah. I guess what we're seeing now is them really not caring. Well, the word goes out. Let us know PayPal. Before we uh, wrap this thing up, I do want to thank our friends at Nerds on Site. Nerds on Site is a great group of people. Steve's had uh, tea with them up in the Toronto. <laughs> Lots of coffee. Lots no, of coffee. Tea. no tea. Lots of lattes. They started in Ontario, but they are now everywhere. They're in eight countries. They're in uh, uh, U.S., Canada. Actually, I have a list here somewhere if I can find it. I mean, they just go everywhere. Everywhere you want to be, as the old uh, uh, old commercial said for the credit cards. What, well, let me tell you what they are before I say where they are. Maybe that would help so you know, what, you know why you should care about them. Nerds on Site is kind of a guild of tech support folks. Uh, the great thing about Nerds on Site is uh, you're working in the business you love. You're still an independent contractor, but so you're in business for yourself, but you're not by yourself. You focus on what you do, not the burdens of running your business. So they help you with training. They help you get the job done. You can call on other nerds if you've got a prob- an intractable problem. It's kind of a, uh, a group of people who work with each other. They're looking for nerds, by the way, with all skills, including PC and Mac experts, Cisco, Oracle, Fix-It guys and gals. There are a number, quite a few. In fact, I met uh, the Vancouver contingent. There are quite a few women involved in this. Website designers, programmers, project managers, sales trainers, security experts, antivirus gurus. One of the things you can do with the nerds on site is keep your skills up. They have a university of nerdology and with over 250 competencies. You know, we were talking about Astaro the other day. They also are an authorized Astaro solution provider. So when you're a part of Nerds on Site, so are you. You can get all the Astaro products and services are available through them and all the other UTM solutions. Um, you can also become uh, get the training for free. Free Astaro certified administrator and Astaro certified engineer training. Isn't that cool? Uh, just a lot of great stuff from Nerds on Site, but I can't even go through it all. If you're a nerd and you love working with people and you want to be a nerd, go to www.iwanttobeanerd.com and register for a nerds-only meeting in your area today. www.iwanttobeanerd.com Here are the countries. Canada, U.S., Mexico, England, Australia, South Africa, Bolivia, 
now Singapore too. I want to be a nerd.com. We thank them for their support of security now because we're a couple of nerds too. <laughs> we're a couple of nerds. Too. And how. And how. The nerdy Steve Gibson can be found at grc.com. That's where Steve lives. His uh, site is uh, uh, everything. Everything's there. Shields up all his free security programs, the new PPP software. I just forwarded you a message. Somebody rewrote it for Pearl. Yep, uh, I got that yesterday, Leo. Thank so you. So cool. Uh, you can also, uh, by the way, get Shields Up, uh, try Shields Up there. That's the program that lets you test your firewall or your router. And of course, who could forget, Spinrite, the ultimate disk recovery and maintenance utility. It's all at grc.com, along with this podcast in 16 kilobit versions, transcripts by the great Elaine, who's working on Thanksgiving Day. We didn't mention that, by the way. Happy Thanksgiving for our U.S. listeners. Turkey Day today. Actually, we're recording this ahead of time. What do you do for Thanksgiving? Are you going to have a turkey? Um, I, I would normally, I used to travel up north uh, to, to visit my family in Northern California. But after 9-11, you know, travel just became so, I mean, right. it was already the busiest and most annoying travel day of the year. But it just became too tough. So I, right. I hang out with a bunch of friends who are also Sans family for Thanksgiving. And we make up our own little virtual family. Sounds so, great. Have a that nice sounds time. great. That yeah. sounds wonderful. Well, have a great Thanksgiving, Steve, and have a happy Turkey Day, everyone. Or most likely you're listening to this after your turkey. Because, well, maybe not. That puts you They're right digesting. out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still listening after your turkey, you, have, you must have had some coffee, too. <laughs> Dedicated nerds. <laughs> Dedicated nerds. Some people, you know, after the big meal, they go watch the football game. The real nerds listen to security. We'll be back next week. We'll have your questions and answers for episode 120. And uh, I will see you then. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Leon. Have a great day. Great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Security now.